welcome to episode 78 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. Uh, fall 2022, beginning of a new season for us. We've had the summer off. And uh, I'm Jane Jazrawi, and with me as always... Mark Morrell. Hey. Hey. Okay. That was a way more energetic opening than I was expecting from you. I can do energetic. Based on our current fatigue level. Yes, our current fatigue level is rather high, but that's okay. No one else needs to really know that. No. I can I can keep it going for an hour. So I didn't say that. We don't have any fatigue. We're highly energetic and we excited are. for this new season of the podcast. Yes, and the new opening of Best Ways to Drive for 2023. Yes, oh my God, 2023 edition. That seems so weird. 15 years of Best Fleets. Okay, so tell me your high points from year one. Because I didn't help you year one. You did it pretty much on your own. Well, okay. So that's an excellent question. Uh, So high points from year one of Best Fleets, which technically wasn't 15 years ago, because this is the 15th edition. The high points for me are that when we announced the opening of nominations, it was in Dallas at the Great American Truck Show. And it was part of a press conference, which had several people sort of cycling through the stage, making announcements and like a circle of media around writing notes on things. And I had never been to uh, a press conference in the trucking industry where I was part of, well, I'd never been to a press conference in the trucking industry and never been part of that sort of a press tour uh, or wasn't really a tour, but there was a bunch of people that were making uh, uh, announcements and statements. And then the media would go off to the next people who were doing it. I've never done that. There was a designated slot and in my head it sticks as like 11 to 11.15 a.m. or something like that. This was at the Great American Truck Show before it officially opened. So uh, for those shows, what they would do on the first day is have like a VIP morning. I think Mid-America might still do that. And uh, it wouldn't open to the public until like 1 p.m. But other people that were there as exhibitors or Press. Yeah, press and VIPs could get in early and have some focused time to do media events. And so that's what stands out to me. That was, I think, my first time in Dallas, my first time at that show, first time being part of that. How did you get that slot? That doesn't sound like something we would have any idea of how to do. Was it through TCA? Yeah, it was the TCA's block. And so, uh, yeah, they were also announcing the opening of their driver of the year and Ray Haight was there. I think he was the chairman at the time. So he was announcing something or just doing some remarks and it was at, it was like at the international booth or the Cummins booth. Uh, I think it probably was at the Cummins booth because they were sponsoring the driver of the year. So that stands out to me as the high point. And then the rest of it was mostly just terror. Uh, for the program of how are we going to do this? We know this needs to be done. We know we want to do it. There's the industry will benefit from something like this, but how do we actually do it? And how do we make sure that we do it in a way that's objective and captures everything properly and we get it all done on time? So there was a lot of that the first time for a lot of things. uh, So that was what really stands out uh, about the first year for me. I think I was just writing courses, so I don't think anything stands out for me. Yeah. And I think our oldest son was six years old, and so I was dealing with that too. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, it's very different now, of course. We've got it down to a science. We have a machine. We've got a whole bunch of people internally that know how the process works, and a lot of it is automated now in terms of announcements and Mm. updating websites. 
We used to write down all of the answer. We used to do the whole interview and it would be just written. Well, yeah, there was nothing done in advance. We would call people and schedule the interview and we would just ask them the questions. They wouldn't have the questionnaire in advance. They would just patiently sit through <laughs> the interview. Yeah. It was a much shorter questionnaire than what we have now. But still, when you're just doing it as a live phone interview and you haven't seen the questions in advance, it can be tough to have the answers. And uh, yeah, we wrote it all down in separate Word documents. Oh, Had man. to compare those things manually for the first few years. So yeah, that was a grind. Now it is much better. I think what year did we build the best fleet system? That was, I think, for the 2013 or 2014 year. So it was like year four or five that we finally were like, this is dumb. <laughs> we have to have to do something better here. I don't think I, I think I use the system always. I think I didn't get into it until year five. I didn't do any interviews. Yeah, it was a whole lot smaller then, fewer uh, participants. So yeah, it was a lot different. And in the second year, you had your famous top 70 because there wasn't enough. Famous dark year. Yeah. Where we had uh, yeah a total of 39 nominees and not enough people completed the, the program, completed the process that we could reasonably give a top 20. So yeah, it was a top 17. That was the recession year. So that was the one where we started open nominations in the summer of 2009 and uh did the evaluation through the fall of 2009. But of course, that was pretty dark recession times. And it was taking some time for people to get back on track. Yep. And uh, yeah, my first, I think my first year was 2012. Yeah, you were involved in a couple of editions uh, before the... I had to do the book, I think. I think I was helping with the book. Yeah. Or something like that. I helped out. Yeah, and you did some interviews and things, but it was... You didn't go to any of the events until 2013, the fifth edition, fifth anniversary, when we finally... Got me on a plane? Well, we were finally able to get the, uh, the top 20 on stage. Mm-hmm. Up until then, it was very quiet. You're the overall winner. Here's your award. Okay, we're done. I think the Best Fleets has become such a normal part of the trucking industry. And it, one of the things that is kind of a downside is, is that people forget what we've got. You know, what the information that we have. Mm-hmm. and how much we want to share it. And I mean, we don't even know what people, I think what I'd like to do in the future is kind of have things like topics that we could speak about and then let people know that we can. Because like right now, or sometimes it feels like people just, we're just a contest. Yeah, there's a lot of attention paid to the recognition part of it, which is great. Those people that are getting recognized absolutely deserve it. And they earn it every year. And I have no doubt that it'll be the same thing this year, that people will definitely be there for a good reason. But we want to share all of those good reasons because a lot of them aren't that hard to implement or aren't that hard to to uh, start doing something with. So, uh, yeah, we do talk about the results uh, a little bit. We do some articles and we do a few speeches and things, but we absolutely want to do more of that. And I think some of the people that do well year after year are the people who recognize that it's effectively an annual benchmarking program. Yes. And they treat it like that. They get their results. They look at what they're doing. They look at what other people are doing and they keep building their company from there. So yeah, it's... It could be a really useful tool for... Well, it is a really useful tool if people use it. Mm -hmm. But this whole, I just want to get on the top 20 or it's just, uh, you know, who the top 20 is and that's it. And yeah, the recognition is good, but it can't overshadow the fact that there's a lot of valuable business building information coming out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not really, it's not us either. It's, it's a company who goes through the process is doing it 
this talking to themselves about themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, they're answering questions that they may not have thought of. They're talking to each other about, you know, what the information that, you know, you start to see where the silos might be. So, you know, if recruiting is operating by itself and nobody really knows what goes in or out, then that's an issue. So if, if you have to go to certain people who hold all the knowledge, that is always a kind of a danger sign because silos can be really, really dangerous and they're easily built when people kind of get head down and start working and they figure out their own stuff and make, you know, their whole work processes are, you know, just so and they don't think about maybe including other people. And then they just create these big walls around themselves. That is an excellent observation uh, that kind of leads into one of the subjects that we wanted to talk about uh, today, because it's interesting as we open up the Best Fleets program to identify the people that are doing a great job now and to talk about the things that they're doing that are, are novel and really effective. One of the big stories over the last three months or so over the summer has been this idea of sort of the opposite of the best workplace, which is people that are quiet quitting or this sort of quiet quitting revolution, which is actually kind of hard to say. Quiet quitting? Yeah, it looks better when you read it. Yeah, but these these uh, people that are just sort of, you know, doing the bare minimum of their jobs and they're not really doing anything more than they have to, they're sort of scaling back their ghosting you completely. Yeah. And it sort of got us thinking about um, you know, the hallmarks of a, not a best fleet, but the sort of dangerous uh, indicators of a, a problematic workplace culture. And if people are quiet quitting, why is that? You know, it, it, there's a lot of talk about people doing that, not doing any more than they have to. I haven't seen a lot of discussion about what leads people to do that and why they're doing it. And what it really comes down to is unmotivated or unengaged people. And you were making some observations earlier about the sort of the indicators that there are problems and how to watch for some of those things. Well, it's it's people. And I actually read some of these as well, but I, I recognize them. And I'm thinking about what it might look like for drivers, which might be a little bit different. So I'll start with when people are in an office and we were talking, you were saying how people are quiet quitting and why they're doing it and what their motivation is. And for a lot of people is going back to work. Mm. They don't want to go back to an office. They like it at home. They want to get a home, like a home office job. They want a job that's fully remote. And we hire a lot of those people. So we know that, you know, they're leaving places where they have to be there at nine o'clock or eight o'clock and they have to fight traffic for an hour and a half. And they don't want to do that anymore because they had a taste of it when during the pandemic where they got to work from home. Companies on the organizations, on the other hand, often want people in the office because it's difficult. It is really difficult to manage a remote workforce. And there's certain skills that you need to have. And one of those is recognizing behavioral characteristics of people who are not motivated. And people stop talking. Mm. Um, they stop offering suggestions. They just do what they're told. That's, that's a good uh, indicator. They kind of show up late-ish, leave early-ish. Mm. They are, you know, they're coming back from lunch late-ish. Um, they always have good excuse or good quote-unquote excuses. Mm -hmm. um, they are, you know, they don't talk. Mm. Or they, or when they're asked a question, they say, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Yeah. And they're, and basically what they're doing is kind of the bare minimum to get by. And you wouldn't notice it if you don't look for it because they're trying to fade into the background. Mm. 
one of the things that I did when um, a very early career, um, like when I was in my late 20s, I was getting fed up with a boss and I just decided to just stop. Hmm. Just stop, like, you know, just stop doing anything except the bare minimum. And it was really interesting because it was not, it was noticed, but it was praised. (laughs) I was completely unmotivated. And it was like, I had a great performance review and I was thinking, but I'm not doing anything. Like, I don't think I should be working here anymore. Well, that's, yeah, a very good indicator. You know, when people kind of work to rule and it's praised or... That's a good thing. Yeah, the company says, hey, that's exactly what we want. Then you know you've got a bad fit. And it goes, it's both sides as well. I mean, sometimes uh, companies hire people and it, it really isn't a good fit and they don't know until they see that. And then when they realize, hey, whatever you're doing now is good, the employee is like, well, I'm not doing anything or I've stopped all of the things that I actually was caring about doing or have stopped paying attention. And if the company is praising those, then it's definitely not a good fit. And it makes sense to leave at that point. Oh, yeah, it definitely makes sense to part ways. I think the most important thing to realize is that you have to watch for it. Yeah. You have to watch for the people who are not engaged. You should be because you could engage them again if you care. Mm -hmm. This is the other part of it is you also have disengaged management. Mm. They are busy with their own empire and they don't want to pay attention to you. Hmm. They don't care. They don't care. And if you leave, oh, well, that's that's fine. And so you have the, you know, you end up with these big gaps where uh, in organizations where useful people were, but they weren't paid attention to and they decided to get out. Hmm. And I think that's happening a lot. I, I heard um, heard on the radio, I read it in a magazine or I hear it on the radio that there was a lot of risk manage, or maybe you told me, the risk managers, there's a lot of a shortage of risk managers or trainers. I did see something about that. Yeah. And somebody else that I was talking to was saying that there is a shortage of risk managers, risk consultants. That's a, that's a, a real issue f- for the industry. Yeah. And I mean, how, and I know that they tend to get bored mm-hmm. if they've, you know, they come in, solve the safety problem. And when, it, when there's no problem to solve, then they want to move on and go find another problem to solve. Cause that's, basically what they do. Um, You manage the risk and then, okay, what's the next challenge? So if you are in this situation where you're hiring or you're trying to keep one of those people, then what challenges can they have? Driver trainers. That's what it was. Shortage of driver trainers. No, I heard about risk management as well. Okay. But driver trainers for sure. Actually, I was talking to uh, Jimmy Mack on Dave Nemo this morning about his opinion. And I kind of agree is that don't have a shortage of drivers, driver trainers. And we were talking about, you know, what kinds of things driver trainers can do to really reach other drivers and things like that. So we were talking about more the education side, but in the human resources or the human capital side, it's incumbent upon fleets to find people, motivate them, get them to become trainers, and then, you know, have a solid program where they can take those people and let them loose and get them to create more drivers. And it's Again, it's motivation. So if you're not going to pay your driver driver trainers properly, that's demotivating. Like, you know, if, if they're doing everything for free mm-hmm. on top of their own job, they're not getting any extra cents per mile or they're not recognized in any way. That's Or it's a trivial amount. Most of them get paid something, but it's really not that much in a lot of cases. But if you're not recognized for that 
contribution and the effort that it takes because training other people is hard, especially, you know, if you're not quite getting it Mm -hmm. and you have to try and think of ways to connect with the person, like, you know, get the person's light bulb to go off. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of very difficult things like backing. Well, backing is the famed one that, no, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the most difficult part, which of course it is. So what do you pay your really good driver trainers more? Probably not. Mm. Probably pay them all the same. (laughs) And do you give them business cards? Do they have special shirts? Do they have special hats? Do they have special, you know, is there anything special that you can give to a driver trainer to make you feel that or make them feel like they're valuable? Mm. I mean, there's so like almost every single fleet that we talk to in Best Fleets talks about their driver trainers and their driver training program. Well, you know, what are you doing for them? Yeah. What is going to motivate them to stay and not to sort of say, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not worth it. Just give me some routes and I'll do and I'll just drive. So that's quiet quitting sort of the the salaried people, the office people and driver trainers. What do you think it looks like for the drivers? Is, Is that happening? I can't imagine why not. I think for a driver, you're probably going to you're probably it's probably going to be more sudden. Well, also, it occurs to me. After asking that and starting to think about you it. You want to answer your own question? Well, I, I, something that occurred to me that quiet quitting is sort of a post-pandemic response. Through the pandemic, everybody got turned upside down and everything was done differently. And now sort of companies want to go back to the way it was. And that doesn't really work for a lot of people, which is where the quiet quitting in the office thing is coming from. But on the driver side, it's a little bit kind of the same because things were very different during the pandemic. We are the heroes that are, mm-hmm. are the people that we're relying on to get us medicine and to keep going while everybody else is at home. And now we're going back to, oh, yeah, it's just those drivers that are getting in my way. All those damn trucks are on the way when I'm trying to get to the office mm-hmm. now. So it's kind of gone back to the way it was. And I can totally see drivers with like, well, this is crap. I'm not getting any hero pay anymore. I'm not getting people coming to cheer me on and congratulate me and handing me gifts at truck stops like they used to. I'm just going back to the way it was. And that sucks. And the company has gone back to doing the regular stuff they used to do, which is treat me like a regular employee. And then one week a year, pretend that I'm important by throwing a stale burger at me. And then they go back to business as usual after that. Well, that kind of sucks. So I can totally see it happening there, too. So I think people are just leaving the industry. You know, they're just finding other jobs. I think we're going to see that. Um, I, I, I suspect that we're going to see higher turnover this year. Uh, we're going to see a lot of people saying that they're leaving the industry. Interesting. It, it's going to be a lot more tumultuous than. And last year it was more t- tumultuous as well. Yes. I think it's going to continue that way. Certainly as the economy keeps convulsing and heads towards a downturn and rates are going down and and there's all of these issues that are coming up. So uh, that's interesting. Will we see higher turnover? And I also think, you know, if drivers are working to rule, they're not going to want to participate in things. They're not going to show up for anything. They're not going to do training. They're not going to do they're not going to do anything where they don't feel like they're getting actual pay. Interesting. So we'll see lower participation in driver surveys, potentially mm-hmm. lower participation reported by companies for social events, for company meetings, for things like that. Interesting prediction. Interesting prediction. Everybody is just sick and tired. OK, well, it'll be uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. And then on the other hand. There's this huge push from organizations to just sell as fast as possible. Mm. You know, there's a lot of 
pushing things like it is a lot of offers and a lot of no come do this come do this come and oh this is like you know the travel industry oh come and get cheap flights come and get cheap flights and then you everybody everybody this summer wanted to get on a plane and guess what the airports weren't prepared for it because we had what was it like 20 percent more air travel this year this summer than in most summers and the airports hadn't staffed up for it and so everybody's running around pointing fingers at air canada because they're like the worst but same thing happens with hotels and restaurants everybody is saying please come back help us get back on our feet and then you you go and try and give them some business and they can't handle it and restaurants can't handle it. So we've seen a lot of restaurants saying we can't find staff, we have to close. But yet we're raising our prices and we want you to give higher tips to the servers, even though your regular percentage tip is now bigger because the bill is bigger to begin with, but still give them a higher percentage. There's a lot of this sort of, you know, I have this image in my head of uh, the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote with their legs spinning. And it, there's a lot of, you know, people don't know where we're going to land. And it's also the whole thing with real estate, which is going insane. There's a lot of, yeah, Wiley Coyote's legs are spinning. You know that noise? <laughs> yes. I can't, I can't do we'll it. We'll see if we can put I'm that in. I'm not doing the sound effects. Put in sound effects into the podcast, <laughs> which we have threatened many times and never actually done. And we never done. do. No. Actually, Carly, see if you can find yeah. a... See if we can find a Roadrunner sound effect or a yeah, spinning Yeah, of their legs spinning. Once again, management by podcast. <laughs> Although we know that Carly is going to listen to this. So we, yeah, we've got uh, different people that are doing the, um, that are doing the, uh, the podcast editing and writing descriptions and things like that. Mm -hmm. So yes, things uh, are progressing so we can keep issuing uh, tasks to them through the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, the Wiley Coyote sound. <laughs> yeah, the industry is spinning well, the entire economy, yeah, the entire economy, and not just you know, in North America, the whole world is going through it. So we will, in bits and pieces, get back onto solid ground and not look down and discover that we're over a canyon and then just fall. Well, I think people should be really careful because there have been some organizations that have done really, really well in the last year, and I think it's artificial, and I think that people are thinking this is the new normal. Mm. So I, you know, things don't stay the same and they're not necessarily on a trajectory. If you are getting a blip in the last couple of years, don't count on it, I think. I, we've been looking at numbers for the last couple of years and it had been like crazy all over the place. It's just you can't rely on it. And even though everybody wants to travel right now, I think everybody's going to want to stop in the next. Well, now, you know, now that school's back in. Well, not even that, but like what's going to happen next summer? Mm. All those people who are trying to fly to Europe or, you know, different resorts and things like that and got stuck, you know, their flights were canceled and they got rebooked three days later and they missed their vacations and all of that stuff. Mm. Are they going to want to try again mm. and go through that hassle? I don't know. I think people are going to be doing a lot of waiting and seeing because mm. it is like I seriously... Uh, Anytime there was a location that was advertised on TV, I was thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, all these places that are advertising, come visit us. Yeah. And we're like, 
how? And can you handle us when we get there? Yeah. And you can't handle them when you get there. Yeah. And I I think we see the same thing within the trucking industry as well, is that people are pushing, come do this, come do this, come do this, and then come to this event, this event, this event. Or like truck stops, right? There's always an issue with truck stops and come see, we've got these deals on this. We've changed this. We're making it more attractive for you, but there's no park in there. Or you go there and they don't have the staff to service it. And they the same challenges. I mean, fleets struggle with the same challenges too. They want to offer some of these services to drivers, but they can't get the support staff. Another thing that's been happening, and and you and I have talked about it, is the um, shrinkflation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, the lace potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> which are now in a nice compact five inch bag. <laughs> yeah. Shrinkflation. Yeah. So you finally get there to the thing that they're imploring you to come and uh, come and use and it's much smaller or it's obviously crappier and the price is the same or higher. So. Oh, yeah. And and even with the whole DoorDash, um, Uber Eats, like all of those delivery services, you know, because we use them a lot for, you know, during the pandemic, we use them quite a bit. And we were thinking that we were helping the, the local restaurants. Right. I don't know how much we did because all of those services have have a big charge for the restaurants. But um, like I remember we would go to order something that from somewhere we had ordered before and we wouldn't be able to do a reorder because all the prices have changed. Like all the prices have gone up. Packaging is different. Or yeah, or they're not offering things anymore. They're just gone. And it's uh, has been tumultuous. <laughs> so we expect to see that tumultuousness Tumult. Tumultuity. Tumult. Uh, reflected through uh, the Best Fleets program this year. I think it'll. Uh, people will try to avoid it, but I think we're going to see it anyway. I think we'll see it in the driver surveys. I mean, last year, some of those driver survey questions were the lowest yeah. scoring that I've ever, like, in, that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's going to get better because the economy wasn't that good. The economy was great last year. Yeah, but now, like a lot of little independent owner-operator fleets have yeah. gone under. Well, last year, the question that jumped out as doing very poorly on the driver survey was the whole tech implementation and whether drivers are involved in communication because business was booming uh, for the fleets and we had all of these tech people that had mountains of private equity funding that they're just shoveling into sales and marketing efforts to try and uh, get their business going. So companies were putting in all of this tech and kind of neglecting to include drivers in that process. And that came through in the survey. Now, it will be very interesting to see what that looks like this year because many of those companies are shrinking, their funding is drying up. Oh, the tech companies, you mean? Yeah. So the fleets probably will be slower on the adoption. Also, they're going to be a little bit more cautious because the market is uh, getting tougher for freight. So, you know, are you going to commit to spending on technology? How much are you going to commit to spending on technology? We'll be very interested in seeing what those answers look like from the companies and what the drivers have to say in their surveys. Also, are there new trucks? <laughs> are they finally getting equipment? Yeah. I don't know, but it's been kind of weird. Like nobody's really said much of anything about it. So I think that they're getting things that have been delayed for a long time, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if new orders are actually happening. So it it hasn't really been talked about a huge amount in the press. So it'll be interesting to see what the, what the fleet say. Well, making some predictions or some, maybe not predictions, but um, have a little bit of, you know, it's almost like a pool. 
You know, what do you think is going to happen? Which I'm thinking about because we have our we have a pool. our new or now sort of annual um, nomination pool that we run internally where everybody gets to guess or try and predict how many nominations we're going to end up with. And whoever's closest uh, gets a prize. But everybody's sort of uh, weighing in with their own thoughts and increasingly huge numbers. Yeah, I don't think it's going to. Well, well, we're going to start doing a weekly update for everybody on where we're at. So when how many have we got right now? It's like about 60. No, yesterday was 78. Oh, yeah. So that was like a little over a week. We're at 78. So I think we're probably going to be, well, last year was like 200. So we're going to probably be in that neighborhood, 150 to 200 again this year. Yeah, there's a bunch of people who think it's like 260. 300. Way, way off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think in October, I'm going to give everybody a do-over. Beginning of October, everybody gets a do-over. Yeah. Like, try again. <laughs> let's, let's look at the numbers. Yeah. If yeah, they yeah. want, they can have a do-over. So we will see where we go with that. It is uh, an exciting time of year for us as we figure out what, what people have been up to and what drivers think of all of that. So let's see, what else are we working on? Well, we have been working very busily on the product side over the summer. We got a lot we of have. new stuff. Content is cranking stuff out. New courses, updated courses, uh, refreshed courses. Yeah, we've got, we redid our defensive driving course. We're doing a refreshed winter driving course, which will be out in a couple weeks. You're overhauling distracted driving too, aren't you? Yes, that's going to be a little bit slower. Um, We've done drug and alcohol for Canada. So reasonable suspicion for Canadians and also an overview for Canadians that it's very similar to the U.S. The overview is very similar because it's mostly about the effects of drugs and alcohol. But we have a small overview of the testing process, which is different. It's a little bit different in Canada, um, mostly because it's not regulated the same way. Like in the in the U.S., it's very strict, but it's not in Canada at all. Um, what else have Anchor we done? injury prevention. Yes, we have started getting more tanker courses out there. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're working on a tanker inspection course right now. Mm. Um, so tanker injury, we've done a whole whack of translations. We're right now working on, um, us hazmat, um, a Spanish version of that. That's going to be big. Yeah. Yeah, We worked on it. We did a bit of an overhaul on hazmat so it can be used for ELDT. Which I think that was back in the spring. Was it? Did we talk about it in a podcast? Oh yeah, because the regs were like February. (laughs) Oh, we did a, we did an interesting course, which is. Um, hauling hazardous materials when you don't have your endorsement. So it's really about, it's not so much like we called it transporting non-placarded hazmat, but what it's really about is recognizing hazmat and not hauling it. Mm. Or when you do have small amounts, this is, you know, the emergency processes and things like that. So we talk about the ERG, but it's a lot of it is about just this is what the labels look like. This what this is what the signs are that someone may have placarded that they may be putting it in your load if you have if you have um if you're an LTL carrier and you you know you're picking up and dropping off, you may get some hazardous materials like sort of thrown in there. So how do you know? How do you recognize that? Because if you are stopped and you are carrying it and you are not you don't have the endorsement, then you're in violation. Mm. So 
Um, we have uh, one of our customers wanted to have this because of their insurance company wanted them to do hazmat training. But if you do ha- like hazmat training, like proper U.S. hazmat training is is a lot. So we shortened it a whole whack. So it's now it's about 40 minutes now. And it basically just kind of goes through, you know, these are the different classes. These are the hazards that go with it. These are the labels. This is what a shipping document looks like if you have hazmat on it. If you want more information, you can go and, you know, look at the whole table if you want. But um, interesting. Yeah. So it was it was a weird little course to do because it was like, okay, well, what to I mean, if you're not going to haul it, then what do you need to know? Yeah. Okay. But it's really just about like knowing how to identify it. Hmm. Cool. So we did that. Um, and one of the big things in content that isn't a specific course, but a ooh. whole new approach to content supplementing the, the PIPs. The PIPs. Put it into practice. Yes, which are, P-I-I-P. are going uh, live, uh, well, next week for us. But when this podcast comes out, it'll be in another day or two. And a very exciting enhancement for administrators, for trainers to have a whole bunch of extra activities to go with all of these different courses. So we keep talking about the importance of not just assigning one course and being done with it, but uh, instead to keep the learning going through different activities or things that help people kind of burn it in, in the, yeah. and you know, get it to be part of their regular habits or build those right habits. And so you guys have got a whole bunch of these and they are now going to be a separate section in our system for administrators. They, they aren't like regular courses where you can assign them to people because they're really only for the admins. They're not for, right. they're not for drivers at all. Yeah. Do not assign them. They can't. Oh, they can't? Oh, good. No, the system is updated, so you can't assign them. Only admins and managers and like that hierarchy can see them and take them, but they can't assign. They're downloadable PDFs, and what they are are a series of activities that are grouped into categories that you don't have to do them all. They're just ideas about things that you can do to help um, put it in, put whatever it is that you want the driver to do training on, get them to practice it in real life. Well, build it more into your company culture into your DNA. So what I liked mm-hmm. about it when I was looking at them the other day is that it isn't just, okay, well, here is the course. Now do a practical activity on this. It's also things like recognition programs. Here's a way to um, build that content into your recognition programs. Here's a way to do it on social media, to engage your social media uh, activities to work around that. So there's a lot of different ideas that sort of get that subject more baked into the DNA of the company. Well, it also has, yeah, so we have the recognition and it's not just recognition though, it's also supporting. Yes. So things that would support a driver if they're having problems with this particular thing. So it could be a tool that's going to help them do an inspection like flashlights, give out branded flashlights or for inspections. Or gloves for tanker injury prevention. You know, if you if you uh, if you have a clean inspection, then or you have ten clean inspections, then you get some reward. So some of that sounds like it comes out of uh, Best Fleet's data and some of the best practices that we've seen there. Yes, it absolutely does. Okay, it absolutely does. We get a lot of these ideas from Best Fleets, and so a lot of the a lot of fleets have done something like this mm-hmm. in their in their own um, companies 
Now, they don't have a put it into practice and they haven't, you know, they haven't got it in the document or anything like that. But it's just a, a culmination of all of these different activities. The social media one is the one that I like the most because you can have Facebook, what do you call it? The, the Facebook um, live chat things, Facebook live. So you can have that and you can talk about so you do a course on distracted driving, you can have a Q&A with the safety manager, or you can have do a podcast on that topic. So people are assigned the course, and then you can go and have a chat with the safety manager over Facebook Live, or YouTube videos that people do. Like, there's a lot of posting of that going on. You can also have little competitions. Mm. So who can, you know, send in a photo of whatever and have photo contests or uh, give people kudos for something online. And then there's two other ones where one is classroom activities. And what I was what I like about the classroom activities is I think that you can if you record the classroom activities, then they can sort of double as as social media because mm. you can record them put them on YouTube YouTube or whatever system, your e-learning system or whatever, then you can have that as an extra as an extra resource. So you have the classroom activities, which classroom really is about helping people practice documentation or logs or things where you have to think about it or you need help with explanations and things like that. And then there's hand yard practice, hands-on. And that runs the gamut from like just anything that you can do to practice, like either in a simulator or in the yard, um, you know, working with whatever tools, practicing using a fire extinguisher, going and doing checks uh, of, of different equipment. So, you know, your fire extinguishers in the green or they do they need some help uh clean cab contests or you know give away um cleaning uh materials and you know have a huge spring cleaning thing where all the trucks kind of or you know maybe it's not the drivers who are doing it maybe it's the shop and there's something that you know i don't know but everybody has different things that they can do within their own company that's more than more than just sort of the regular blah, you know, we do this and this is the same way we've always done it and this is the same thing. And, you know, something that's just a little bit different that ties into e-learning. I hate the fact that people are starting to look at e-learning as a chore that is disconnected from everything. Yeah that it's taken them out of the job and taken them out of the headspace of the work. And then they just go through this stuff, finish it, and then they go back into their work headspace and forget everything or ignore everything that they just learned. And no one talks about it again. And so you have to, like people are saying, oh, well, we have to gamify it and we have to do this and we have to do that to make it more exciting. And it's like, no, you don't. You actually just have to make it relevant. So if you're if you want people to do training, then recognize that they've done it and actually give them a chance to practice it. Mm. It's 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 really interesting how people have taken training and separate or taken online training and separated it like it's a completely different animal than the rest of your safety program. Yeah. You know, people are using cameras and there's all of this stuff where, uh, you know, oh, we, we contact drivers when this has happened and this is. We have a coaching, you know, we have all of these coaches that work with them on these things. But it's nothing to do with online learning. They don't do the same thing with the training. No, they just, oh, and, and we throw 
drivers into training once a month. And this once a month thing drives me up the wall. Well, what you've done with the pips that I really like is give people an answer to that. A lot of times they want to do something on a regular basis, but they don't have the experience or the ideas or they don't have any anywhere else to go with it. And we've always said, well, you do these things, you could do a survey, you could do some activities, but then they still have to come up with those activities. They still have to think about a way to do that and make it relevant and get it in place. What you've done is give them a recipe that works. Here are five things that you can do that are just related to distractive driving that are going to be helpful and aren't that hard for you to set up. And also we have survey question thoughts. Yeah. So have a survey and here are the questions to ask. Yeah. yeah. So you've done like the hard one work que- for them. One or two questions, like not at like not 12 or 30, like we do in best fleets, but just one, mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody just ask a question. So you've done this, you've done this course. What do you think about, you know, do you feel supported in this? So if you're looking at parking and, and available parking, do you feel like you have enough available parking? Do you need help with it? Do you think we should have paid spaces? Blah, blah, blah. There's lots and lots of things. And I have to, the writers had a hard time with this. Yeah. It was, it, they're difficult to do because you have to think of, you know, what do drivers do? What would they, what would be a normal thing at a trucking comp- company, that kind of thing. So we had, you know, you have to have a little bit of knowledge of the industry and it was a good learning experience, I think, for people. Yeah. So there's a couple there. I was like, no, no, no one's going to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so it was quite funny, but we have, uh, I think it was a good learning opportunity for us as well as, mm-hmm. as well. Hopefully everybody will be able to take a look. And so how many of them have you got to start off with? How many are we launching with? Like a dozen or so? 15 or 20. So a good number for different subjects. And as you produce new content, you will going forward produce some of these for each course as well. So it becomes more of a complete package. Yeah. So there's HOS. Oh, there's a good one on mental. Okay. Mental health. Yeah. There's some good ones there. Like all the basic safety subjects. Yeah. Inspections and like all of that stuff. Um, But slip and fall. Mm. We we have some stuff with that. I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. Yeah. People have to uh, check it out when it comes out. So we will have uh, an announcement in our blog when it goes live, our system blog, and we'll probably put it out on social media. I'm thinking now, it is occurring to me now that we should put it out on social media and let people know there. Oops. Heather. Yeah. Got a post for you. <laughs> um, but yes, we will do that. Um, yeah, so it's a, a really good, it, it's, it's not so much like a new course. It's like a new kind of uh, layer of functionality added onto the system, which I always love it when we can do that. When we did the program certificates, that was nice. When we added on surveys and practical activities and all of these different elements that combined create a much more robust and a complete professional development program for drivers. It's very nice when we can do that. Yeah. And also coming along, not quite as quickly, but uh, coming up soon, uh, the next two uh, dash cam integrations are, uh, are buzzing along. They are Motive. Motive slash Keep Trucking and Netrodyne. Uh, nice. We should both be, looks like they should both be out in October. Nice. So that's really moving along nicely. Yeah. The first two were really the hard work, putting the pieces in place, getting the foundation for the whole system and having that management all ready to go. And I thought after we had all that done, building the specifics for each camera wouldn't really be that much. So I'm happy to see that these two seem to be coming along pretty quickly. They're running pretty nicely. 
Uh, and yeah, they are moving along and it isn't ending up being a ton of work. There's a few things that we needed to still add into our core system to support them, but not that many. And they are coming along nicely. Cool. So yeah, lots of new stuff coming soon. And uh, as we start the next season of the Best Fleets podcast, we've got lots to talk about, lots of other things that will be happening. And now that you're on the radio on a seemingly every five minutes, <laughs> seemingly daily basis, we'll have lots of stuff to talk about as it comes out of there as well. So yep. I think for now we can wrap it up and be done. Okay. Sounds good. Have a good day. Thanks for listening, everybody. 